Welcome to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk with staff, pupils and parents to understand more about life at the school. Each episode I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a guest. So it's a bit of a three-way conversation. Now in this episode we're speaking to Marcus, the founder of Dragons Connect, which is a company that helps the children learn languages such as Spanish and Chinese. But first of all, Ralph, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great, thanks, uh, Simon. The, the, it's, uh, the sun's shining, it's nice and it's not too breezy, and it's very fresh and crisp, so I like sunny, crisp weather. <laughs> I'm glad that makes you happy. <laughs> so, Spanish and Chinese, what's that all about then? What is that all about? No, I mean, so at Snaresbrook Prep, we, we already do French from our lower foundation stage, which is the mm-hmm. year before uh, children generally start school all the okay. way through to year six mm. and we also supplement that with latin from year three to year six and the reason we do that is one we want to you know get children hearing language uh, and building the skills to learn language mm. uh, that's something that we're quite keen it's not just about learning french but it's about learning to learn a language mm. uh, and obviously it's you know we want to we want to increase uh, our children's view of the world and and do that. And I think, you know, it's certainly a language like Chinese, you know, we have a lot of people with Chinese heritage. So again, it's, mm-hmm. it's again, introducing the rest of the school community to that yeah. culture. Uh, and, you know, life, you know, there's a big, it's, it's, it's very important to increase the, the visibility of diversity. Uh, and mm. understanding within the school. So it was just a, a really good opportunity to to do that. Um, happened by chance to come across Marcus and he was telling me about, you know, his company and the system they've developed to do that. So we we trialled that last year with our year sixes because, again, we're always looking for ways to enrich that last, um, sort of the last two terms of the year six curriculum for mm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also then led us to look at a way of introducing a Spanish club and we don't have that skill set within the school you know within the school staff body so mm. Uh, mm. it's great to be able to get some high quality language education in, in another language to supplement um, French and Latin and I think the other mm. the other real important reason for doing it and something we're always looking to do is we always think what do our pupils need at year seven so mm-hmm. if they are going to be successful and get off on a, a you know on a they're going to go into their secondary schools confident. If they're going to keep that confidence, they need, you know, some early success, mm. you know, so they feel like they belong and part of their new setting. And so increasingly secondary schools are introducing sort of Mandarin. Uh, so we thought, well, we can give our year sixes an opportunity to sort of experience that before they get to their secondary schools. Mm. And again, secondary schools will, will do languages like Spanish and German. So again, yeah. And giving them the opportunity to maybe do some Spanish before they get to their secondary school is a mm. Uh, mm. Is, is to their advantage. So that's that's how it all came about, really. The other thing, I guess, is how you go about teaching languages to children at a young age, especially when you're looking at something like Chinese, which is clearly very different to the English language. So I'm dying to ask him about that. Is there anything else that you wanted to ask him before we bring him in? No, I'm just I'm really interested in the cultural elements and the sort of cultural mm. understanding as well that comes when you learn languages. OK, I think it's probably about time to bring in Marcus. Should we do that now? Sounds like a great idea. All right, let's do that. 
Marcus, thank you for joining us here on the podcast this morning. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Very good. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's good to have you on board. Uh, we're recording this on a on a Thursday morning. How do Thursdays usually look for you? Well, the, the back end of the week is always the, the, the better for me because I'm teaching towards the end of the week, which I love. So I do two, two or three hours uh, teaching a week. So I teach mm-hmm. year six and year five. Okay. A lot of it's online at the moment still, uh, but I'm looking forward to get back into the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I teach... Chinese, mainly based on a, a, a kind of introductory curriculum, a taster curriculum. And yeah, the aim is to get them through to, uh, to, to, to take it more seriously in, in, in secondary school. And could you give us a quick snapshot of the business that you're running there? Yeah, absolutely. So Dragon's something I personally started 14 years ago, um, having been a, um, a journalist. And I uh, went and lived in Shanghai, lived with a family and I was 28 and did a homestay, which was meant was six months. And I came back and had every intention of going back into journalism. But I'd always had a passion for teaching because I did voluntary service overseas and taught Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I um, therefore decided to um, demystify Chinese because I kept on hearing how difficult it was. And I just thought, well, if I can do it, many others can. And... Um, Gave myself a year to to really approach clubs, schools to run clubs to start with. Um, and it's really grown from, you know, what I call after school Mandarin, which is a bit, it is kind of troubled waters, not mm-hmm. always easy. Children are slightly fickle. I've got two of my own, 11 and nine year old, <laughs> and they're, you know, chess club one term, you know, ruthless. They're, you know, move on, mad science, the next one. So you're always competing with crazier clubs, language clubs, you know, is always a lot of pressure on the teacher. So that that evolved into curriculum teaching. A lot of heads like Ralph, very supportive and understood that Chinese was, you know, obviously a hugely important language, growing growing interest around the world. And so we then moved into textbooks and now we now teach from primary all the way into um, secondary and A-level. And we also do some kind of corporate teaching. We do a lot of okay. um, uh, cultural exposures for, for, for um, um, corporates going to China, knowing what gifts to give. Mm-hmm. Knowing what not to give, like Boris giving some clocks to a delegate, not a okay. good idea because it's a symbol of death. Right. Okay. That's always good to know, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I, I guess this is kind of touching on a little bit of the demystifying that you just uh, hinted at. What mm. are some of the kind of common assumptions that people in the Western world make about places like China that are incorrect and completely wrong? Mm. Honestly, I think there's still that pointy hat type kind of you know and everyone bows is i'm i'm always when i go and do year kind of key stage three enrichment sessions which i do quite a lot of well not so much in the last year but before you know there's a lot of bowing from you know from the jokers to start with you know and i I said we're not we're not learning japanese you know and i think everyone seems to put them into the asian box but not knowing that actually the japanese and the chinese have quite a colorful relationship anyway it's like the irish and the you know the Brits. It's just completely, and the in the English, it's really separate. Hmm. So um, you know, it's. I try to get past the ni hao and chopsticks, is what I call it. Mm-hmm. You know that everyone, you know, you need chopsticks, and you can, you just need ni hao, and that's all you need. But if you if you speak, you know, and you don't need to speak a lot more than that, it opens up massive doors. That can be said at the same of other cultures, but with French. You know, for example, if I go to France and try to book a room, 
you know, je voudrais réserver une chambre. You, you've got a, a guy replying back to you in English, normally in Paris, going, you want to reserve a room? And it's so frustrating, you know, um, but, and we've all done it. But um, in China, it's, oh my goodness, you speak Chinese, or in brackets, you've bothered to really learn to speak our language. And mm. it's called guanxi. It's a one, it's a really important word for this podcast. It means charm. It means relationship building. And if okay. you have guanxi, you have power to build, to build relationships and, and actually win multi-dollar, multi-million dollar contracts just mm. because Chinese like you. Okay. And clearly you're passionate about, uh, about sharing this with people in general, but why in particular mm. children in schools? Well, I think I love my, I saw my own children. There was this kind of constant, oh, don't like the French lesson. Don't like it. And I saw from, you know, other people's children. And I also learned also growing up that people just didn't like languages. And Chinese was mm. untouched. Uh, and also I love China. It still amazes me 14 years down the line, there aren't other people doing what we're doing. Are you going to people like Ralph and saying, you know, Ralph, I'd love to show you how much fun Chinese is. But I think to answer your question, Simon, is that I saw it as a really exciting opportunity to specialize in one field and really demystify again that word and um, open open the language doors to make it more accessible um, to, mm. to, to, to children. Mm. And children are great fun to teach. Love them. Mm. They're great. Mm. Well, just as a comparison, teaching corporate, we, we signed a, you know, an agreement with X company, big, big company, and they wanted the big fanfare to launch this uh, multi, this kind of onboarding scheme for all employees globally to be mm -hmm. on, to be taught by us. And I was excited about it, but skeptical, skeptical uh, within a month, you know, we built this scheme that, you know, just the, the just the attendance is, was very patchy um, within, you know, a month you had people saying they had conference calls that they probably didn't have and mm. then we we applied the best teachers mm. but it's just people have got very low bandwidth when they leave school <laughs> mm. they expect mm. it's like a pill that they can swallow and they 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 can write you know confucian characters you know thousands thousands of characters long it, unfortunately it's a lot of roll up your sleeves mm. and get stuck in so let's look then at how children learn languages in school uh, quite often they're taught through repetition, but how do you make something like that fun for young children in particular? Sure. Okay, so we looked at this two years back and we realised that everything, all, all that we were doing was metropolitan London where the Chinese teaching communities were. Mm -hmm. And they tended to, be, tended to be, not by design, private schools. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I set up Dragons to do, mainly because... Two reasons, really. The stakeholders were kind of very interested in it, parents and, and, and schools. Mm -hmm. But also the Chinese teaching communities all live actually very near you, Ralph, actually, east end of London. They don't live in leafy suburbs of Hampstead, Belsize Park, Surrey, etc. And so the travel distance was really inaccessible. So often we didn't run them. Or if we did, the teacher wasn't good enough. So we learned from that. We also learned that Repetition was massively key. So we built an online learning platform called Connect, which um, Snaresbrook are going to be doing this, this term. We've got 60 schools doing it. It's a, it, we were doing it pre-COVID anyway. The idea is that you, it's a flipped classroom where you have 
um, a class of 20, you split them into small, four small groups of online groups and you provide two teachers simultaneously teaching two groups for half an hour whilst the other two groups are on an online learning platform. And the reason why it works is it's heavily focused on repetition, it's heavily focused on gamification, and it's the, the key thing is it's the small groups of... How big are your groups, Ralph? They're at 20, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, so uh, your year six group is 20. We split them into, into... So children are learning in groups of five instead of 20. And in the state sector, they're learning in groups of eight instead of 32. Hmm. It suddenly means you strip out the missing middle problem. And it means that you then have an end result where uh, you don't just have the 10% that want to do languages all the way to GCSE. Hmm. You have a much larger number, which we've seen continuously over the last two years in terms of children going on to secondary, wanting hmm. to do um, Chinese. The repetition is done through games. Okay. So what we do is we, we get children taught by the teacher for half an hour. We then take that content and we then throw it back at the children through a, a games platform, which we've built, um, where they hear the stuff again and again. And then we take familiar Chinese cultural things such as Dragon Boat Race, and we turn that into a game for them to kind of match words or mm -hmm. um, do passive activities. Um, fireworks, again, we use fireworks okay. to um, mm -hmm. to help them identify the sounds. Uh, we take Tetris and we change Tetris around, uh, reverse engineered it and and um, mapped Chinese characters into it. So the blocks fall and they've mm. got to get the Chinese characters. And then our last thing is we have a thing called quiz time where they've got to answer the questions related to that week's content and they're turning on the lights of Shanghai. And, and all of this is a kind of a road which ticks the cultural box, the character box, and the sound box, all within one uh, focused, repetitive kind of uh, week of learning. The net result being they really enjoy it. And then what are some of the main differences in the way that children learn Chinese compared to learning Spanish? Good question. So um, Spanish doesn't have a character system. Okay. So, you know, um, and this came up in some of the questions, but Chinese doesn't have a hugely complicated grammatical system. There's no real defined plural. There's no really defined past. So in Spanish and in French, I'll give you an example. If you wanted to say, yesterday I went to the shops, you mm -hmm. have to do quite a few things there. You have to think about where you, what word you're using for yesterday. You have to get the, the, the subject pronoun. You have to get être or avoir. <laughs> Mm -hmm. you remember that kind of which ones are those etra words mm. oh marcus you're taking me back yeah and if you're female you have to put an e on the end i mean if you haven't lost the will to live by then then <laughs> god knows what's going on so and that's why children go yeah i'm kind of liking this french thing spanish is a little less involved but still there is still that defined um word order and tense mm -hmm. chinese doesn't have any of that there's no past. It's like yesterday, I go shops. It's obvious it's yet it's in the past because it's yesterday. Mm. So children love this. You know, they, they often say to me, this is the easiest language in the world without the characters. <laughs> wow. So, wow. yeah, it's really cool. So the first the first year is fabulous because um, they don't do many characters to start with through our teaching. They learn how to speak. Then what we do is we strip out the sounds 
and slowly phase in the characters. Like we call it scaffolding. Mm-hmm. The characters are actually a real game changer for dyslexic kids, mathematicians. It almost, if you look at a typical Chinese class um, in secondary school, it's a real mix. It's mainly it's linguists, mathematicians, dyslexic kids really do well with Chinese characters because they overcompensate in another area. Oh, okay, yeah. And they see characters as like a standing st- a start from from when no one else has done this before. Hmm. So I'm like, oh, I can be good at this. And also, it's they're built from lithographs and from pictures. So it's one of the only languages in the world where they can look at a Chinese character and go, oh. That looks like a woman going for a walk. That looks like a, a man with a jam jar on his head or whatever it is. And it triggers the, the actual meaning. They're called radicals. And there are 60 of them. You need mm-hmm. to know 60 radicals. And then it's like a, a big Meccano set. You can then okay. put them together and it gives the meaning of the character. You need to know those 60 first of all. They're building blocks. Mm-hmm. Spanish doesn't have that. Um, so it, it, it's kind of... Characters complicate because there are 3,000 of them you need to know to read a newspaper, but don't tell children that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's absolutely hardly any grammar at all. And why is it important for children to learn a, a language from such a young age as well, instead of waiting until they're in you know, year eight, nine or 10 or something like that? Yeah. So when I first started this, a lot of schools were saying, oh, we want our year ones to do this. And I thought, yes, brilliant. Um, Children are sponges. Mm. This is perfect. It's not actually, um, because they're still becoming fluent in their own language, their host language, which is English. And it's at that point, i.e. around key stage two, Mm -hmm. is where they want to replicate what they've learned. Do you know how children always say, how do you say, and it's normally a swear word, Mm. how do you say this in Chinese? (laughs) And I've, well, I'm not going to teach you that, but I'm going to teach you how to greet Chinese people. Unless you're teaching them bilingually in key stage one, it doesn't work. So year five, year six are the, the perfect, is the actual perfect time to teach them. Because when they get to year seven and year eight, the, the, especially, yeah, especially with, the, with girls, the kind of horns have grown and they're like, don't want to do this. I'm a grumpy teenager. So you need to get them in year five you kind of early key stage three and then you've mm-hmm. got them really on the journey ralph do you speak any languages um no je m'appelle francais no not really um <laughs> ralph you're going to come to the chinese class i was quite exci- i was quite excited actually because i said one of the big problems i had i learned french and french was okay and i did that gcse and did it, you know with relative success and i tried to do spanish at the same time and I kept getting them confused. It, it really, yes. I don't know. Whereas I thought, actually, the way you describe Chinese, that sounds totally different. I'm really taken yeah. by the Meccano visual element. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm on board. I'm I'm you know this this sounds good. Oh, we'll hold you to we'll hold you to this, Ralph. And it's on a podcast, so uh, um, <laughs> we'd love love you to join. Just you know, the first or second lesson. We do have a lot of heads and you know and heads of department who. Um, who join this and obviously it's you just join from your desk so uh that's yeah. fine marcus what chinese can you leave us with right now what can you teach us right now a simple phrase yeah oh, there's a great one for you uh yo. okay so yo means add oil i love this one so yo means uh, add oil so you'll hear chinese at football matches although they they can't stand their national team they're a disgrace um the chinese 
think it's hysterical that they've got 1.4 billion people, but yet mm-hmm. their Chinese their football team cannot get through to any uh, any international competition. Um, right. But anyway, when they do do okay, they shout "jiao," which means add oil, which means stoke up the flames. Ah, oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Jiao. Let's just get that jiao. Jiao. Yeah. Add okay. oil. Ralph, do you want to try that one? No, not particularly. Jiao. <laughs> That's it. Well done, Ralph. Perfect. He's holding it back there. And the last two things you have to know are the lucky number is eight. Okay. In Chinese, because it rhymes with wealth. Okay. And the unlucky number, which is very important, is four, Ooh. because it rhymes with death. I you see. never give any present with foreign to mm-hmm. a Chinese person. They're so maniacal about this mm-hmm. that they have streets in China where it's one, two, three, A, three, B, five. Oh gosh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. That bad. Yeah. So best not to give somebody four clocks in that case, something like that. Right, exactly, yes. Okay, right, I'll remember that. Set to four o'clock, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> but I, I have to say, I love the idea of gung, gung chai, did you say? Guanxi. Guanxi. Yeah. If you if you don't have guanxi, you have nothing. You can have a checkbook, but to be honest, if you don't have guanxi in the UK, you know, people are always doing business with people they don't necessarily like. But um, you know, money talks. But in China, it's so much more about. That's why when you go to a first meeting, they often take you to a restaurant and they give you huge amounts of food and also strange food. They want to see how, and also they get you inebriated because they want to see what you're like when your guard is down. Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah, and then and then the boardrooms the meetings will will uh, will ensue. But it's um, uh, there's oh, there's loads of things I can tell you about banquet banqueting rules and all of that where you sit, but not now. <laughs> no, maybe another time then. But Marcus, thank you for coming on. It's been great talking to you. It's been great hearing all about Spanish and Chinese and, and both those cultures as well. Thank you for your time. No problem at all. Ralph, Simon, have a, have a very good day and jayo. 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 We, we, we will jayo. Jayo. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Marcus. Uh, so there we go. Ralph, that was Marcus. What did you think about that? Well, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love Marcus's passion um, in terms of teaching languages and uh, teaching uh, Mm -hmm. Chinese. I think that's, you know, several times he talked about demystifying, um, Mm. about explaining, sort of demystifying the language and explaining the culture. And I think, I think that's great. Uh, You know, that's, that that really appealed to me. I think we're such a parochial nation, aren't we, Mm -hmm. in the Mm. the UK, or traditionally have been, Mm. particularly when it comes to our language. And yet we're trying to broaden um, our children's experiences so that, they, you know, so it's a much it's a much more diverse culture, both at home, mm-hmm. but also in terms of our, our global, you know, our global outlook. And so mm-hmm. I think introducing children to languages and more languages is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that really interests me, I was I was chatting to some parents. So it was a, it was a. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually a social engagement um, mm-hmm. and I was chatting to the, the, these parents and both were, uh, I forget where they came from, but they weren't, you know, they're, they're, they've moved around a lot, you know, in terms of with their work. So okay. one, of, one of the parents said to me, he said, oh, well, actually, I've never spent longer than two years in my working career in any one country. Oh, wow. Um, and he said, I speak, you know, Spanish and I speak 
Chinese and I speak, I can't remember what the languages were, and obviously spoke English as well. And I'm sitting there thinking, right, I can barely speak English. Mm. Um, and <laughs> I'm quite impressed. And then he said something that floored me. He said, um, and I said, oh, you know, so is this important to you in, in terms of, you know, teaching, you know, making sure your own child is, is, is multilingual? And he said, no, not really. Oh. I was like, right, okay, go on, do yeah. say more. And he said, yeah. well, he said, think about it. He said, we've already got Google Translate at its early stage. He said, I'm convinced that by the time our children grow up, actually the, the ability of AI to translate between us will be fairly fluid. He said, but what I think is key is actually being multicultural, knowing about the cultural cues and knowing oh, about wow. um, how to do... He said, so he said, take business, for example. Mm -hmm. He said, the, the example he gave, and I, I don't know how true this is, so I take it at face value. So mm -hmm. if, if you're out there and you know a lot more on this topic mm -hmm. than I do, uh, please feel free to correct us and we'll, we'll inform everybody else that I got, you know, that I passed on the wrong bit of information. But he said, so for example, in America, it's very much uh, a culture of negotiation, as I think it probably is in the UK. He said, mm -hmm. however, in other cultures, it's very much a culture of cooperation. He said, so if you don't know that and you go into your business meetings with the mindset to negotiate, mm -hmm. the person who's in the mindset of cooperation thinks, hmm, this isn't somebody I want to do business with because mm, you've got yeah. off on the wrong foot. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was that was fascinating. And, you know, we, we hinted that that, you know, in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the clocks and the number four. And, you know, if you mm. maybe if you don't know that you could you could make a faux pas quite easily mm. uh, and mm. accidentally. But I thought that was fascinating. It was something that always stuck with me. I'm not. Uh, and mm. so I think when I then met Marcus, that desire to introduce what is, you know, clearly one of the biggest world languages there yeah. is, and, and I can only imagine will will be increasingly so. Alongside the cultural element, I thought, just really interested me, and I thought it's a great opportunity to, to to bring it to Snaresbrook. So I guess this is why he's teaching the language and also asking people to unpack, you know, what their home lifestyle is like, you know, where they live and things like that. I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah, and, and again, it brings it brings it to life. It's, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. We 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 brought Mandarin as a sort of enrichment activity for Year Six uh, mm -hmm. last year, which was lucky because when COVID hit, it it was it was a perfect method for yeah. delivering lessons to children at home, and mm. we've continued it this year. Uh, and really, you know, having we'll look at the feedback and see where we go next. So, and we're we're introducing a Spanish club that will run along the same lines. So and that's, you know, just, a you know, again, a way of introducing more language to the school. I love it. I think we need to bring this episode to a close. But if anyone listening, of course, wants to find out anything more about the school, then don't forget, you can check out the school on social, uh, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, just search up Snaresbook Prep. And also to stay up to date with the next episode that's coming out soon, then be, be sure to follow this podcast channel. And that just means that when the next episode is released, you get a small notification just to let you know. But for the moment, let's leave it here and we'll catch up with you next week. So thanks very much and bye for now. And Ralph, do you want to say goodbye as well? Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye from me. <laughs> bye for now. Bye bye.